1: Welcome to the 1871 podcast and tonight we're looking back on Saturday's 8-5 win for Brian McDermott's 2012 side against Steve Koppel's 2016 in the Legends game at the Select Car Leasing Stadium and we're also joined by a few fans who were at the game and then tomorrow we'll be joined by Simon Cox and hopefully Ibra Son- Ibrahima Sonko as well and possibly one other player but we don't know yet. Um, for a chat about uh, the Legends game on Saturday. So that's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. And uh, as well as a few fans, we've got our co-host Johnny Hunt with us. And Johnny, before we speak to some of the fans who are at the game, how about I remind everyone of our predictions for the Legends game? So uh, I think if I remember rightly, I went for a 6-4 win for the 2012 team. So not too bad. But someone, I think, went for a 5 0 win for the 106 side, didn't they? And, and we do, yeah, of course, we do, of course, have some evidence. But um, I think we were, I think we were both expecting lots of goals, so that's the main thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think the younger legs were were key. And you'll remember as well, probably Johnny, that um, Kevin Doyle, when we had him on as guest, he did say he thought the 2012 side were favourites for that reason. Um, and, and the fan, and, and this was interesting, all the fans we spoke to before the game were all predicting a win for Steve Copple's side, but then all the fans we spoke to after, they all said they thought the 2012 side would win. That's <laughs> funny, that isn't it? But, uh, that was all right. <laughs> so, um, Johnny, first and foremost, did you enjoy the day? Yeah, it was a brilliant day. I think any Reading fan who, uh, you know, especially after all the negativity recently,
2: to, to, have the day there, you know, getting to meet Koppel and um, McDermott and the Trophy and Mertz and Joby and all the other legends, like the same many, but also as well, it's just a great day to be able to catch up with other fans and actually have some positivity where we're not moaning about the board, the manager or anything else, just looking back at a happier time for the club and I think it was just a brilliant day. I don't think anyone had any negatives about it, I'd hope.
1: Yeah, and, and and this is probably the only comparison between you and Ibrahim Asonko, but but you, you flew in late from from Ireland. he had a bit more of an arduous trip um than, than you did from Senegal, but uh, you, you got there in time in the end anyway. That's the main thing.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Couldn't miss that for the world, mate. It's uh, unbelievable to to just see those guys back on the pitch again. Some some looking a bit better as they've aged yeah. and others not so
1: good. <laughs> So, um, so 13 goals, uh, 8-5 to Brian McDermott's side. Um, a hat-trick for Brian Howard, who came on as a half-time substitute. Um, two for Jason Roberts, two for Jimmy Kebe, and one for Jem Karachan for the 2012 side. And for Steve Koppel's side, there were two goals for James Henry, one each for Leroy Leta, Kevin Doyle and Simon Cox. Although we're not 100% sure if Leroy Leta got the credit for that goal or not. But Simon's going to be on tomorrow. Simon Cox, he's a guest tomorrow. So we'll ask him about that. I think I know what he's going to say, though. <laughs> but anyway, we'll ask him. Um, and there were, of course, lots of other familiar faces on the show for both sides. Um, so that included Marcus Hanneman, Graham Murty, of course, Eva inge Ibrahim Asonko, Glenn Little, Bobby Convey, Simon Church, Stephen Hunt, Alex Pearce, Kasper Gorks, McKaylee Leggettwood, Joby McAnuff, Howard Robson-Carno, Jamie Curriton, and the list goes on. Um, okay. But the keeper situation was a bit of a mystery for a while, wasn't it? Um, I know yeah, Graham, yeah. Graham Stack was due to be there, but he had COVID, I think. And then we eventually yeah. found out that um, Brattnall Town goalkeeper Simon Grant, he was the keeper for Brian McDermott's side. And it was Phil Brown who came on for Marcus Hanneman. Uh, and Phil was a, an ex-pro. He's an ex-pro at Reading, um, although he didn't—I don't think—he made a first-team appearance. And he's currently the assistant manager and the goalkeeper coach at Marlow. Um, and Johnny, I, I don't know if you remember, I asked you during the game if if you knew who the 2012 keeper was, and you said you thought it might be an academy keeper. I think it was a bit too old for, for being an academy oh, keeper, but I suppose it's so hard you. you were so many changes hard. during the game. Yeah, you were a fair way away, weren't you? So um, Yeah, my eyesight's failing as I get older. So, you no, know, I, I did no, no, under a lot of pressure. Um, and, and we don't know. Maybe he was a former Reading Academy keeper, but we don't know. And, and the crowd, um, around 10,000. Uh, and we actually somehow managed to put out five episodes of the podcast, of the 1871 podcast on Saturday. But um, all very short episodes, most of them about seven minutes. And they're all still available if you want to have a listen. So we did a, we did a preview to the game on Friday night. We did a, a pre-match build-up with some of the fans. Um, we, we had a half-time report, a match report at full-time. Uh, and then we spoke to some more fans afterwards. So those episodes are still available. Um, uh, uh, Johnny, uh, great, I know you're on childcare duty at the moment. So that's the funny noises. it's not you. Um, <laughs> it's just great. A great occasion, great to see plenty of goals on Saturday, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. I know. Mean, like we were saying earlier, like some of the goals were absolutely quality. They weren't just two odd happens. Yeah. And Leroy Leather looks younger now than he did then. <laughs> He's so quick. You know, it was um you know, it was interesting to see. You know, and Sonko was just class, as he always yeah. is. Um yeah, you know, I know Mertz played like what, twenty, twenty-five minutes, but uh, you know, he lapped it up, he loved the whole uh championship stuff, but it was just fun. You know, and to see some of those guys back playing in, in our colours again, which I think some of us never thought we'd see, um, yeah.
1: that meant a lot. I think for us, all. Yeah. Um, so, so Johnny, we've we've got a few fans who I want to talk to now about the the game. So, um, first up, we've got Phil Overson. Um Phil, firstly, can you tell us whereabouts you live? He set me up there. Yeah, I actually live in Swindon, but uh, oh, just... I didn't know that. Didn't know that. <laughs> but that's okay. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. And, and how, yeah. how long have you been a Reading fan for? Uh, I, I started watching in
3: 77, 78. That's how old I am, the yeah. old Division Four days. Um, didn't live in Reading at the time, lived in Middlesex. So used to see them play at sort of Watford and uh, Wheelstone and places like that. Yeah. Uh, but I've been a regular at the
1: home games since sort of the mid 80s. OK. And, and um, uh, which team were you, were you cheering for, Phil? The
3: the hundred the 106 team were just perfection, and I, I had such a soft spot for them. But yeah. um, I was pleased to see how fit and healthy all the um, Brian McDermott guys were. They all looked lean. Lots of them looked like they could still play at a decent level. Um, yeah. I, I I loved Steve Koppel's team and everyone in it. It was the, probably the best season we'll ever, ever have in our history. But
1: it was great to see a really close game, goals from the first minute to the last minute. Yeah. Uh, and um, Paul, I want to come to you now. Uh, Paul Hunsdon. Uh, whereabouts do you live, Paul? Not, not in Swindon? Uh, I'm not a Swindon boy. I, uh, I live in Wokingham,
4: but uh, oh, I've so been
1: a Reading ball and bread. And how about you? How long have you supported
4: Reading for? Yeah, I, my first game, uh, my father took me in 1976. I don't, don't remember that one too well, but uh, you know, I caught the bug late 70s and, and been uh, a passionate fan ever since. Uh, and Saturday's game obviously great atmosphere
1: great weather but for you what was the the best thing about the day?
4: I just think the whole occasion really Mark I mean you know as you've been rightly saying I mean the positivity on that day compared to to what we've been through for the last couple of years was was just great and it was just brilliant to see so many um, faces that, 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 that meant so much to us all out there on the pitch and uh, you know clearly enjoying themselves and the and the camaraderie between, between, the, between the guys, you know, I think it, it was very special for them on the pitch as it was for us off the pitch. Uh, and we've got Laura Taylor on the call. Laura's got a Red shirt on the
1: home kit. Um, Laura, uh, whereabouts do you live? Well, I'm probably
0: the furthest away. I'm in Chester.
1: So, uh, okay.
0: quite away away. <laughs>
1: so, so how how come you're a Reading fan if you're in Chester?
0: Uh, I was born in Reading. Uh, okay. My dad's a Whitley right. Wood boy, so. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I started supporting about 20-odd years ago. Okay. And you've got the yeah. uh, the blue and white hoops on, so
1: were you were you cheering for the 106 side on Saturday? I was indeed,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, I we made a good play of it. it just, I thought that might happen towards the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> the tiredness might start to kick in,
4: yeah.
0: 6-5 <laughs> for a
1: while, wasn't it? And then yeah. two more. Uh, two more goals for
0: Brian McDermott's side. And, and what was what was the atmosphere like? Oh, it was just great. I just like, like all the people around me and myself that sat there with big smiles on their face. It was just really lovely to see after, as you were saying, the stressful couple of years.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we've also got Victoria Harris. Uh, Victoria, are you, are you on the call? Hi, yes. Uh, and Victoria, how about you? I'm going to ask you the same question as everyone else. Where, where do you live? Weymouth. Oh, Weymouth. Another, another lo- fan who's uh, a long way away. Uh, I guess, like Laura, you, you were were you born in Reading or anything yeah, like that?
5: Yeah, born in Re- Reading, yes.
1: OK. Uh, and, um, Laura, how, how long have you... Su- uh, sorry, Victoria, how long have you supported uh, Reading for? Uh, well, I
5: didn't really get into football much. Well, uh, league football until about sort of beginning of when Reading started getting promoted first to the Premier League, but yeah. before then i just supported England mostly. Oh, so okay. kind of late into sort of that sort of thing.
1: Uh, and which which players did you enjoy seeing play on Saturday? All of them. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
5: Awesome awesome sim Mertz and seeing like um uh Karachan and all of that lot just again
1: Felt like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we come now to Mike Pearce. Mike, um, uh, same question to start with. W- where are you based?
6: Just outside Cheltenham, Mark.
1: Oh, OK. So we, we've got a, a lot of Reading fans who are based a long way away now. So it was it a, a case of born in Reading?
6: No. Um, I first uh, started Sporting Club in 1972 when they played Arsenal in the Cup and Narrowly lost 2-1, I thought that's a cracking little side and from then on they became my team. Um, My first live game was 83, the Maxwell game at uh, the Manor Ground, Oxford United, when we won 2-1, Kerry Dixon scored and we had the protests against the Thames Valley Royals and I've been a season ticket holder in the past five or six years with my son.
1: Uh, And which players impress you, (laughs) Mike, on Saturday?
6: I thought Leroy Leeton was terrific. Um, his finishing wasn't great, but I thought his overall play was, he was razor sharp. it uh, looked very good. Um, Jimmy Kebe was a joy to watch, as always. Um, just a delight to watch still. Um, what a great player he was. I thought James Henry had a good game too. Yeah. And Kevin Doyle played well.
1: Yeah, well, it's just great, great to see all those players, wasn't it? And yeah. We've got another fan. We've got six, six fans and, and Johnny as well on, on this call. So, um Richard Ford um how long have you been a
7: Reading fan for uh I think my first game was about eighty 81. I'm not sure exactly what game it was but uh yeah pretty much 40 years now so uh, and, wh- and where whereabouts are you I'm pleased to say that I'm I live in Reading oh great yeah, okay. we've got I'm there um so no I live in I live in Emma Green so nice and local
1: that's great well it well it's actually good isn't it to see fans who are so far away. We've got Johnny in Ireland. Well, to be fair to to Johnny, he's actually been all over the place, not just Ireland, haven't you, Johnny? Yeah, no one will have me for long enough to move on. Richard, um, were there any players who you saw on Saturday who you think could potentially be good enough to play for Reading again?
7: Uh, Yeah, comfortably. Um, I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to kind of compare the the difficulty or the challenges of playing in the championship um to, to to a game like that. Um but when you looked at some of the fitnesses, of some of the players, they were in some incredible shape. I mean you've already mentioned the lights of Sonko look great. Lita did. Um, obviously uh, a man who's been on our our bench recently uh, but more in an assisting capacity is uh Ledgetwood, and I thought he looked very trim and you know was actually running the show a little bit in the midfield. So so, yeah, I thought were, that a number of them looked in great shape.
1: And, and did that surprise you that that they some of them were were that good?
7: Yeah, I mean, some of them obviously are only a year or so off of playing. So, like Alex Pierce, obviously, has just been released by Millwall, so um, you would expect him to be in in good trim. But then, you, yeah, like Kebe, I mean, how long's he he's been playing poker, hasn't he, for the last few years? So, um, but he looked great. He looked exactly as he did, you know, when we when he was playing in twenty twelve.
1: That's well, obviously been keeping his brain sharp. Um, yeah. Phil, I'd like to come back to you now. Um, who who would you say was your man of the match on Saturday? I
3: was amazed by Brian Howard's finishing. He played that sort of role behind the strikers like he always used to, but he never used to pop up the goals like that back in the day. Yeah. I thought his set-piece play and his long-range shooting was amazing, like we've never seen before. Really impressed with him. And yeah. him alongside uh, Karachan did all his running for him. And I was so impressed with the 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 camaraderie between the guys that had come through the ranks Pierce Robson Caru uh, Jem, people like that um, Churchy they all seemed to get on they seemed to be great mates
1: even after all these years and it was lovely to see them all having a laugh and getting on well together um, and Paul we've we've already mentioned this but there were there were some nice goals to to see on Saturday weren't they which which do you think was the best goal who, who do you think scored the the best goal
4: yeah, I mean, I think obviously James Henry's uh, initial strike was was a was a terrific strike. I think uh, the keeper will probably think he should have done a little bit better um, and got caught a little bit cold. So I, I think that uh, Brian Howard's free kick um, earning the second half was phenomenal. Uh, it's almost uh, Darren Caskey-esque, wasn't it? It reminded me of that strike that Caskey um, did against Bournemouth. I'm sure that uh, the other guys on the line will will recall that. You know, so uh, I thought Brian Howard was was excellent because it, you know he's clearly not been playing. Like as um, as the other guys alluded to, that that the certain players were, um, you know, just coming off the back of of, of of still playing, whereas Brian obviously he just went out there, did exactly, didn't try and do anything more than what he knew he could do, and was just just phenomenal. But that that free kick was was sublime,
1: uh, and he scored a, a hat trick. I think he came on at half time, didn't he? he? Scored a hat trick in the second half. James Henry scored two for the one hundred and six side. There, they're probably not not familiar to a lot of Reading fans. Um, and and Brian Howard actually scored as many goals in the second half as he did in his entire time at Reading. He got three while he was playing for Reading, and James Henry he got four during his time at Reading. Do you remember either of those two players from their Reading days?
4: Yeah, I certainly do. I can remember James as a as a as he you know as a, as a youngster who who had a lot of promise, but was was one of those that never really fulfilled himself. But then did did really well elsewhere. Whereas Brian Howard, again, I think he he came with a quite a good reputation and maybe didn't quite um, sort of live up to that reputation. Um, I think just throw a quick spanner in the works where you're talking about the the, the players that were on the the periphery of the squad. I think it would have been really nice for the club to have actually let the fans know everybody that was there. Because I don't know what the other guys thought, but we had people coming on and off the pitch and, you know, know, we didn't, you know, it would have been really good to have actually done some formal introductions. I mean, for example, Bobby Convey, she sort yeah. of sneaked on at half-time. Wouldn't it have been great to have given him a little bit of a fanfare? Yeah. And yeah. half the time, you know, no one, the eternal announcer was announcing it at one moment, and then we had nothing. And I just think it had been really nice to have given a, a little bit of, bit of a fanfare to to every single player who was there. Like, we'd have known who the Bracknell keeper was. A lot of okay. people would have known Phil Brown. I remember Phil playing for the reserves, but a lot of people would thought, well, who the heck's Phil Brown? You know, it's yeah. just yeah, been maybe. nice for to have a little bit of build-up from the club about everybody.
1: No, it would have been. I mean, in terms of team news, we we didn't didn't know about the uh the keeper until well into the, the game and exactly, people on yeah. Google trying to find out who it was and all that sort of thing. Um Laura, I come back to you now. What was it like to see Steve Coppel, Brian McDermott, and Sir John Madayski, of course?
0: Oh, it's great. It was just just such a nostalgic day. <laughs> it was just brilliant. And I love the fact that John went on and just how good like, the fans were and to get behind them next season and everything. I think it was really nice, but everything was just brilliant. You could tell Steve and Brian are having such a good time as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what, what else did you really enjoy about the the day?
0: I just think as you go, like everybody, the atmosphere was just brilliant. The fact that a lot of the players went and met fans after as well was really good. So it was nice to meet a few of the players before and after the game. So yeah. that was really a nice touch and then to get the trophies out as well and get to see those was, yeah. it was great as well. That's it. And, and it just seemed yeah. like everyone was having a, a, a
1: really enjoyable time. Uh, and Victoria, come back to you now. Um It was definitely, there was definitely a feel good factor on Saturday, wasn't there?
5: Definitely. I love seeing all the players just like embracing each other and just getting back together and just all of that sort of stuff. And, seeing sort of happy fans after all the stuff we've had to put up with for the last couple of years, that was just brilliant.
1: That's it. And and we've talked a, a bit about some of the goals, but which, which players impressed you in terms of their skills, if you like?
5: Um, well, impressive to see these, uh, trying to put this tactfully, these slightly older lot yeah. that was still pretty fit and could probably just about play league football still.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and Mike, come back to you now. Um, Marcus Hanneman, he was, you know, such a popular player during his time at Reading and we got to see him out on pitch as well. I mean, firstly, what did you make of him in goal? And then, yeah, what did you make of him when he came out on pitch?
6: <laughs> yeah, the pitch thing was interesting, wasn't it, really? Um, great cross that nearly... Uh, Took uh, Jamie Curran's head off, I think. Um, he did okay in goal. Perhaps his reflexes weren't quite what they used to be. Um, his kicking was still very accurate. I thought. Um, fantastic character, really, um, and great to see him on the pitch at the end. And actually, on the pitch, he didn't do too badly. Yeah, I thought he did pretty well.
1: Yeah, and, and I think he was the oldest player, wasn't he? Four, Forty-nine. Yeah. He, he brought up the average uh, average age, <laughs> bit, didn't he?
6: Yeah, probably did. <laughs>
1: Um, Richard, just, uh, just want to come back to you now. Um, what are your thoughts about you know, how, how it was all organised and you know, the attendance and, and all the players that were there? What, what were your thoughts about the, the day as a whole and you know, what, the, what the people did who, who put all that together?
7: Um, so somebody who perhaps more recently has been more critical than positive about the club... Um, I actually think that on this occasion, there was a lot more right than there was wrong. Um, yeah, I think they did very well getting as many players as they did in. And I know some of them came from far and wide. Um, I take Paul's point around um, they probably could have done a little bit more, more fanfare, a bit more helping us on so, surface. Obviously, they were drip feeding uh, names out to us as who was going to be there on kind of, you know, just to try and stir it up. I perhaps was a little bit disappointed with the attendance. Um, you know, I think back to the 2005, 2006, after that season, we had a, um, an event in the, in the uh, stadium as well. I remember it had been a bloody awful weather day, um, but there must have been about 20,000 fans there, I think, if I remember rightly. And so I wonder whether or not it could have been better marketed. Uh, I'm not sure whether they really pulled in, particularly at the price it was, um, and, and what, what a good overall day out it was for everybody. Um, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to go around and speak
1: to you all again just just to get your your thoughts you know ahead of the summer we've got Paul Ince um, we've got a director of football uh, we've got a head of recruitment now and it it does seem to be after a, a pretty terrible season um, overall uh, apart from you know a few kind of highlights here and there it does seem to be like um, I, I don't know whether it's that that the um, ownership has been listening to what people have been saying or, you know, Paul Ince has said you need this in place or or, or whatever, but um, I'll come back to you now, Phil, obviously a a really good feel good factor on Saturday. Um, What do you think the near future looks like for Reading in, in the summer with hopefully some good recruitment and into next season as well? It's worrying
3: because we don't seem to have a squad at all at the moment, but, um, They've confirmed the manager. They've got this head of recruitment in nice and early. Hopefully, we can get ahead of the game and make some signings and build a squad to just compete at this level. You know, I'm, I'm not kidding myself that we'll be one of the favourites for promotion, but I just like to be competitive and away from the bottom four. I mean, there's so much good feeling from the weekend. And I, I went to a recent Q&A with um, McDermott and uh, that the former Players Association organised them. They're chomping at the bit to come back and be involved. They they would do any role, unpaid or paid, part time, full time. And I'd love to see them just use just use their experience and their and their expertise. Brian would have been an amazing head chief scout, head of recruitment. He knows everyone in football, really well connected. I can't believe there's not a job for him. But we'll give the new guy Carry a, a you know a good crack of the whip and see if he's he can use his contacts and build the team again. But I do wish we'd tap into some of that sort of experience that's that's there just waiting to be used.
1: Uh, and Paul, come come back to you again. What what are you uh, expecting for and what are you hoping for next season?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think Phil made some excellent points there. Um, you know, the personal expectation is that, you know, we'll back in. Whether he's the right appointment or not, that that's that's irrelevant now. He's, he's he's got the role. Hopefully, he'll secure um, some of the players that are out of contract that that we know we need, and will will form a, a good backbone of the squad. And then we have some wise recruitment. I'm sure Carey's got some, um, you know, a lot of good contacts. He's he's a good man for the job. Um, I think Phil's point about Dermot is absolutely spot on. I would have would have liked that route, but you know, Carey, I think is a is a good appointment. Um, you know, and just fingers crossed that we can bring some, some, you know, stability to to the squad, and uh, you know, and aim for something sensible. And if that's mid table this year, then I think you know, most local fans would be would be happy with that. Uh, and, and Laura, we've
1: got Mark Bowen as um, director of, of football. What what do you think about that appointment? And, and what are you hoping for next season?
0: Uh, unexpected for me, I didn't really see that one coming. To be honest, <laughs> I, I think I believe he announced. Announced it himself, didn't he, before the club, which is a bit of an unusual move? But, but there we go. That's how things have t- been t- the t- last t- couple of years. But think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't get out ahead of that one. But um, I think it would be interesting. I mean, he knows the club, he knows some of the players that are there. So hopefully it'll be a, a right move for them. I hope. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Victoria, I just want to ask you obviously, a, a couple of fans there mentioned uh, about Brian McDermott and, and that experience but the um the director of recruitment he he was doing that role at, at spurs for 6 years so that feels like a step in the right direction what what do you think you know what sort of players would you like to see come in over the summer what type of players
5: um well if there's any if we're lucky enough and get some possible contacts with spurs get some of their academy to come through maybe um that would be a lovely thing to see. Um, and obviously our own academy and getting those promoted as well. That would be very good.
1: Yeah, because we've had obviously the likes of Tom McIntyre, haven't we, coming through and, and has done well. Um, and Mike, come come to you, similar sort of question really. You know, what what do you think needs to happen in the summer in terms of players coming in and, you know, preparations? What 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 do you think sort of needs to happen over the next
6: few weeks? I just think we've got to try and get more players into the club who've got good injury records. I mean, last season, the injury crisis was unbelievable. Um, Virtually every member of the squad picked up injuries uh, throughout the season. We didn't have one player that made 46 appearances. Um, So I do think we've got to try and bring in players who've got records that suggests that they'll be fit for, for the season. We know, we know how difficult the championship is. It's a tough division. Um, But to go into some games last season with 12, 13 players out with already what a small squad made it un- almost impossible for Paunovic, irrespective of his faults. You know, we we had such a constant injury crisis throughout the season that we were always going to struggle. So I think that's the first thing I'd say is we've got to look at injury, injury records, bring in perhaps some younger players in that regard who are less likely to get the injuries that the older players tend to get. Um, I think we've got to try and keep some of the ex- existing squad. Otherwise, we're going to have a complete squad overhaul. And that will then be problematic going to the start of the new season with an entire new squad that, where the players don't know each other. So I think we've got to try and keep the likes of Josh Laurent on, on board. I, d- I don't think we'll keep John Swift. I think he, he's going to be gone. Um, and a year, to keep him. Um, uh, Tom Holmes. There's, there's a number of players that we need to try and keep at the club and then bring in some of the players. And as has been said by, uh, some of the other fans perhaps look at uh, brian carey hopefully some connections from him to bring in some um top flight players that are up and coming players that could perhaps do a job for us
1: yeah and i'm going to finish with you now richard i mean um obviously paul lintz announced as manager and we've got a um director of football director of recruitment how do you feel now in terms of what you are hoping for next season compared to you know before those announcements
7: um, I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I think they have a huge task on their hands. Um, everybody else has uh, spoken has spoken about our lack of players, and and I think they have to go out and find the right players, the ones with a real desire uh, to play for Reading. I think at times in the last couple of years we've seen players who it feels like they're going through the motions, mm. um, and I, and I think the club as a whole needs to take a good look at itself, top to bottom, and make sure we've got. It's not just about these appointments. It's about making sure that the club is a well-run club. Something that really stood out for me was the way even John Majeski on the on the pitch on, on Saturday talked about this is a family club or this has been a great family day. I haven't felt like that for a few years um, and we've got to get that back because that's the only way of keeping a good structure, a good fan base going forward.
1: Uh, and Johnny, um, finally from, from you, obviously, you know, everyone's talked about what a positive uh, atmosphere it was on Saturday, feel-good factor. Does it kind of lift your spirits in terms of, um, you know, what Reading might go on to do next season in terms of the new appointments and that as well? well I think, so. you know, we need some
2: positivity. That ticked a box on Saturday. But, you know, the, now the fact that we've actually got some recruitment happening with off the pitch, which... You know, maybe it's, you know, the, the pressure of the fans, ex-players talking, and they've actually finally had to listen and, and make different. Um, you know, I think one of the guys was saying that, you know, about the amount of injuries last season. But the problem, I think, we had so many free transfers coming in at the end of the summer. They weren't fully fit. So hopefully that's something they'll rectify this year. Get the players in early, get a proper pre-season. And I, I wouldn't be adverse to having someone like Alex Pearce back as a leader, as a player that we could probably afford. Um, you know, and he knows the club inside and out again. Yeah, yeah, he's you know, his age and everything now, but he'd certainly be a a valuable contribution. And I think you know, there's positive times ahead. You know, we need to just look at where we're at and what we can do
1: next. Yeah, you know, and and Johnny, do you think that a couple of those players were actually kind of treating it as a trial and thinking, you know, if I do well here, then I might have a chance? Yeah,
2: why not? Like, you know, for someone like Pierce, it's, uh, you know, playing in front of his home fans, uh, goes out and does a decent game. Yeah, we know it's a, you know, a, a friendly or a testimonial kind of game. But what's he got to lose? And I think, you know, again, like a lot of the players, they looked good on the day. Obviously, we you know the championship's a different thing over 46 games. But I think it was it, beggars can't be choosers at the minute. You know, we can't go out and buy players. So let's look at what's out there that can help you know the squad. You
1: know something like that would, and the dog that's just joined in the call. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Johnny. We've got six fans. We've we've got uh, one of Johnny's children and a dog as well. So we we've got plenty. This is the the record actually for number of guests, isn't it? So um, yeah. yeah, and and I think for me personally, what I'd like to see is um, a, a bit like what we saw on on Saturday. People were actually really enjoying playing. And you want you want people who are hungry. So, uh, and Brian, I think Brian McDermott talked about it, didn't he, when we had him on as a guest? That you you need the right characters. You need the right sort yeah. of people, not just the talented players. Because yeah, um, you know, I, I think one one of you said that the players last year, some of them, it did feel a bit like they were going through emotions at times. So. Look, um, you know, great day on on Saturday and uh, really good to get that feel-good factor back. And and obviously that's connected with those two fantastic teams all those years ago. Uh, But that's all we've got time for now. Uh, And a reminder that on tomorrow's episode, we're joined by Simon Cox, hopefully Ibrahim Asonko and possibly another player, but nothing confirmed at this stage. So that's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. And that just leaves me to say thank you to all of the fans who've joined us for this episode. Great to have you all on the show.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.